Passionate DJ Podcast, where it's all about becoming a better DJ through passion and purpose. And now, your host, David Michael. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Passionate DJ Podcast. I'm, of course, your host, David Michael, and I'm sitting in beautiful Dayton Studios with my co-hosts, Tripp and Tony. You guys doing all right? Over-caffeinated, but I'm good to go. (laughs) (laughs) Gravy, baby. (laughs) So we're uh, back here in Dayton Studios, like I said, as we occasionally do, meet up here and record. Um, So Tripp, could you give us like just kind of the 30-second maybe elevator pitch of what Dayton Studios is and kind of what you slash they do here for especially for the you know the locals Dayton people that are here Dayton Studios is a creative space for creative types we've got um, photography areas for the photographers we've got backdrops of all different colors green screen technology lots of props wood flooring carpeted uh, just a a myriad of uh, different uh, spaces for taking pictures but specifically for us here at the podcast, what we've also got is a, um, a small yet uh, powerful studio uh, with acoustically treated vocal booth as well as uh, uh, an array of uh, hardware gear. Everything is um, all set up here with a, an Ableton uh, PC. And what we're able to do here is uh, everything from... If you just want to come in, lease a beat and drop some vocals, or if you want to write an entire track or album or, or whatever, we've got the gear that you're able to do that. Cool. I, you know, I just kind of threw that at you randomly, but I, I wanted to kind of bring that up because a lot of times when we record here, we don't record every episode here, but right. um, when we do record here, you know, I often take behind the scenes shots and post on Instagram and people are like, whoa, where are you guys recording? What is that? So that's, I just kind of wanted to make sure people understood we're at Dayton Studios, it's in the Dayton Mall. So if you're in Ohio or Ohio-ish here in the States, you know, come check it out. They got people at the front desk and talk to you. And it's, uh, it's a pretty cool space. So Yeah, for sure. Um, now, I don't know about you guys, but my day today has been a little off. Bonkers. Bonkers. I'm t- <laughs> it's, it was shit. It was a yeah, shit day for I'm me. I'm telling you, not just the day. But my whole week, so okay. <laughs> I'm totally feeling you there. Yeah. Well, that's why I'm I'm glad that we're doing the episode that we're doing today because there's if if we have to come in and do quote unquote work, there's there's nothing that I could think of better than to do and and sit with a couple of buddies and just listen to some of our favorite tracks. And so right. that was kind of the the idea behind this episode. So episode forty three is called Pick Three, and this is a new concept we're trying. And it's just we're all bringing in three. Uh, songs. I think they're all dance songs. Did you guys pick sort of electronic music? I, I did this time. Um, I, 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 I toyed around with the idea of like bringing in like hip hop and a couple of other things. But uh, since uh, the electronic dance music world is where we primarily you know, reside, yeah. you know, so uh, I stuck with that. But for future iterations of this, I can't. I can't promise that I would stick. Yeah, kind of in my head, I was thinking we could do different variations or additions. That we could do a hip hop version, we could right. do a classics version, or whatever. If we really like doing these, so sure. But this is kind of a test run, so uh, let's go for it. I brought in three tracks that are uh, important to me for some reason or another. So my first track is uh, by Yoris Vorn. I believe that's how you pronounce that mm-hmm. with a J, Yoris Vorn, and it's called Blank. Now this song came out in uh, 2007. 
and it was released on the label Green. And the thing I like about this track is it's very, it, it speaks to my kind of trancey tendencies that kind of brought me into dance music because it's very melodic, as you'll hear. There's a lot of lush, ethereal pads and stuff. And this, this right here, this triangle, mm-hmm. just does it for me for some reason. Yeah. And you'll hear throughout the song, it, it kind of gets chopped up a little bit and you'll hear the muted version of that triangle. I like that hi-hat shuffle mm-hmm. that's going on underneath there. Yeah, too, there's a lot of shuffle. And it's it's one of those songs that really it rewards you for listening to it closely many times. Right. You know, which is the best kind of music, I think. I mean, it's very functional as a dance track, too, and great to use in a DJ context and all that kind of stuff. But there's just so much going on. Uh, I'm just going to let it ride out for a little bit. And if you guys want to comment, just let me know. We'll turn it down a little bit. Uh, funny thing about this, though, this song seems to have two or three different intro variants, and I'm not sure why. This one's actually it comes in a little bit differently than the first one I ever heard. But little vocal part that comes in every once in a while you'll hear it really adds a lot this doesn't sound like something in 2007 no it doesn't like this sounds uh, ahead of its time yeah Yeah. it it definitely well it definitely sounds like when the big epic-y trance Mm -hmm. started to shift gears and go the more proggy route but Mm -hmm. there were still all those melodic elements in it and there was like this this sweet spot where like especially bedrock was good for it you Mm -hmm. know where it was just you know really good chunky tracks as far as when it comes to like the 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 percussion their kick and just everything was really lush in the low end good syncopated like shuffles and all of that stuff but there was just you know the the right people were out there and they were just they they weren't taking some super saw synth and just going balls to the wall with it they, they, there was a lot of meaningful placement of, you know, your your different melodic elements and pads and and, and all of that stuff. And it wasn't this, overkill in the melodic area, right? Yeah, right, yeah. This this is great. I love it. Yeah. Well, that's kind of the cool thing about this track too. Like, uh, here, I'll let you hear a little bit how big it is right now. I mean, there's just there's great use of, of uh, quote unquote space, you know, in the audio spectrum. But I mean, the the baseline is very chunky. The kick is very solid. It's got all those dancey elements. It's got the right amount of shuffle to it, but it doesn't compromise on that. Like it's a song, you know, right, and right. it's it's got melody and it has progression. And it goes somewhere, and like you said, it it doesn't sound 2007. And I think that was part of the reason why this track stuck out for me so much because. About that time, I was really coming out of trancey sounds, um, but I didn't. Re- I wasn't sure where I was looking, and 
this you know that was this was when like really minimal techno and tech house was popular and i was trying to figure out if i liked it or not (laughs) we all were (laughs) right and so like this came out and you know it starts with a beat like this i hear that vocal that little yeah yeah and it just it, the first time I heard it, you know, hearing this as a one-off, if this is the first time you guys have heard it, yeah. it sounds kind of melodic, trancey, big room. But the first time I heard it was in a very minimalistic tech house kind of set. Mm. And so, and it was uh, it was on Trance Addict actually, which is an old uh, web forum that I used to frequent for ages and ages, even way after I kind of left Trance behind. Right. Um, it, it was in, in this song or in this set and it was surrounded by all this much more minimal stuff. So I think that this this track, just the way it was used, it really had an impact on me because it is so big and it just, it had that contrast. Um, this is from an album called From a Deep Place. It's a four LP uh, thing, which I did later find and, and track down and buy. It was one of those, okay, this is one I need to own a physical copy of. Right, right. Closing my eyes, and I, I mm-hmm. can see how that just totally, like, would would just launch the yeah. right set in the right room with the. I mean, it, yeah, you know, uh, not a super huge crowd. I mean, it, don't get me wrong, that would work awesome in a, in any festival environment. But at the same time, I'm picturing something closer to like four to six hundred people, you know, in a in like kind of either a warehousey or a bigger, mm-hmm. you know, open venue the right lights at the right time you know maybe like a 2 or a 3 a.m. set and just send everybody out there you know or on a journey that or it could also work like a sunset sun, on sunset, the beach sunset, oh, sunrise yeah. i was just going to say that yeah back sure. back um back in that that time frame when everything not everything but when tech when house, had prog house name. started right <laughs> when everything started kind of like um meshing together you know i really i really I'm glad that that happened because I really like melodic stuff. I, I played trance back then, and I love trance. But yep. you know, with the long breakdowns and and I just got tired of that. You know, and it just getting too tranced out. Right, we're but allowed they, to have it again. Yeah, but when they came <laughs> back, when, when they kind of like started meshing the styles together, you know, like I, I love this. I yeah. love this a lot because, it, like you said, it can go either way. It can go, you know, it can go end of set at peak time or it could go five o'clock in the morning sunrise it could right. go seven yeah. o'clock p.m sunset it's and, and 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 right here we're seven minutes in but i don't feel like we've been sitting here for seven minutes right. you know what i mean yeah like, and and there's been different points in the song that you know any any dj with some chops could have already mixed out and that's a good point that you bring up about you know the old school trance stuff and how long and drawn out it it became Mm -hmm. because that was one of the reasons that i i mean i i i grew and evolved musically anyway Mm -hmm. but that was another reason that i got out of playing trance music um 
it was because I, I got tired of showing up to gigs with a bag full of 80 records and I only played 10. 10, because <laughs> right. the breakdown was four minutes. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and if you tried to mix, you know, those too many, or if you try to mix too much of those records together, you had melodies clashing. Too much too going many, on. Yeah, too much going on. Mm -hmm. And then it just sounded, you know, you may have been on point with the beat matching, but it just didn't sound sure. right. And uh. you can, you, you know, you can get away with some stuff by mixing in key and all that, right, but right. that only takes you so far with one record bag, for one thing. Mm -hmm. You know, there's yep. only so many tracks that'll be compatible, and that requires you to do a lot of planning ahead and stuff and kind of takes away from some of the DJ element that, right. you know, if you need and to pivot yourself. Back then in trance, well, I mean, even now there's, I mean, there's pianos, there's, there's just so much stuff going on in trance yeah. that it's really hard to do long layovers unless it's the two minute outro. Yeah. Or, or today, at least, you know, with today's technology, we, we have looping. Being games. able to loop, yeah, yeah so, absolutely. So there's that. Jump but, to cue points and such. Right, but, yeah. It's Cut so, out four-minute breakdowns. If we <laughs> right. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, so something like that, that's, it, that, that was, uh, I mean, it, it, was, it was gorgeous. And it, and, it, and it had a bunch of different places where each one of us could have easily mm -hmm. seen or used it, you know, in... in in different contexts. And by the way, I, th I believe all of these songs that we've chosen today are available on YouTube. Um, so I'll drop links in, or if you will drop links into the, sh the show notes so that sure. everybody can hear them in their full context and everything if they want. So. Right. Um, Trip, you want to present your first track? Sure, sure. Um, what are we looking at? Um, uh, for the first one, let's go with that Pretty Lights. All right. Finally moving. But this is... Uh, the remix. Uh, so there were two versions of this. Um, one of them uh, being a much more chill uh, version of it. Um, both versions use uh, a sampled riff from Sonny Stitt's Private Number, which mm -hmm. is really popular. I mean, a lot of people have used it and done very well with it. But it's just... Uh, it, it, let's turn this up for a little yeah. bit. I'll, I'll come back to that thought. Okay. that we've had a couple of uh, people uh, write into us and, you know, ask specifically, we hear you guys talking about Glitch Hop. What is it? Yeah. So, um, and it, it's fair to mention, I mean, we have all different types of DJs, all different age groups. Right. And so, you know, somebody who might be a wedding DJ or a techno DJ might have no clue what this is. So, exactly. yeah, let's, let's kind of go over that. This so, is kind of what put that sound on the map, I think. Right, absolutely. So, like, around this came out in 2008, um, or at least this version of it did. And it was on uh, an album called Filling Up the City Skies. And for anybody who ends up liking this, I highly recommend going to Pretty Light's website. He gives away all of his music for free. That's right. There, there's yep. not, you don't have to purchase it. You can, you can either support it by, you know, donating to him on PayPal, or you can buy physical copies of the records and uh, all of his merch and stuff like that. But really, the dude is awesome, super talented, and gives all of his music away for free. So, um, 
obviously there's that Etta James sample in there as well. The uh, in yeah. And um, around that time, I don't know who was first to the gate, but somebody found that sample, and then all of a sudden it became real cliche, and everybody was <laughs> using it all over the place in 2008. But for whatever reason, like, I just, I think that in the context that Pretty Lights put that sample in with the, the Sonny Stitt, um, it just worked really well together. And then on top of his, like, hip-hop approach to electronic music, then he also brought in the modern sound design. So you hear all of those, like... Well, listen to that bass line right, right there. Right, right. That buzz. Big. Yeah, and, and and if anybody, if there's any producers out there, uh, you know, that, uh, that are also DJs listening to that, there's not really a whole lot that's super complicated about that baseline. But you know, it's just the fact that he brought, you know, all of these modern approaches to sound design and infused it with all of this, like these hip hop techniques, and came up with the, you know, a very. Uh, a very solid arrangement and just bam, here you go. Um, so if, if somebody, since they have, if somebody comes to you and says, what is glitch hop? And you have to answer it in a sentence or two, how do you respond? Um, I would say, so <laughs> in a sentence or two, and it's fair to say that th this is a very almost mainstream type Correct. glitch hop, right? Especially now, that's, but. What, that, that's where I was going to go with it. So this came out around a time when glitch hop was really just kind of emerging more, uh, you know, as as a as an established genre. And what was happening is, so glitch hop, as it came up, was very avant garde, very glitchy, very experimental. So like half the time when you were listening to it, it was not danceable, or if it was danceable, it was almost random feeling mm. and it was a bunch of people that were like really exploring what can we do with this and and how do we define it whereas then you had people like pretty lights and the glitch mob that really like took it and spun it on its side and said you know let's let's you know throw it out there like this and it took off and hey we can we can take all those chopped up samples and glitchy sounds and not mess up the time signature and right. still make it danceable and still make a, a poppy song out of it or an underground dance song out of it or whatever without having to be so avant-garde like you said. Right, right. So when I when people ask me what glitch hop is, I can tell you what it was, but if you ask me what glitch hop is today, songs like this are what shaped glitch hop into what it is today because it's that quintessential turning point of you know okay we're going from this experimental like what the to something that just um uh, yeah you can't describe this <laughs> just feeling. Can't, can't yeah seeing this guy live too is just man, oh yeah absolutely amazing all in one is <laughs> As we've all got our hands in the air, like yeah. <laughs> this takes me back to the first year I was in Electric Forest and was right up front watching this. Like, wow, yeah, wow, that's yeah. got to be a 
pretty awesome show. Well, I mean, he he brings everything. It's the whole total package. Just brings, you know, top-notch light and top-notch um, animation to put up on screens. Like It's a visual experience it, it is. with it's him as well. as much a visual experience as it is an audio experience to see Pretty Lights. One of, one of my bucket list items is to maybe one day get out to Colorado because that's where he's from uh, and see him at Red Rock. Like nice. oh, that, oh my goodness! He comes to Columbus every year. He, yeah, uh, that's actually the last time I saw him. It, it was when he was in Bo- at Boma in what twenty ten. Twenty ten. Yep. He comes to uh, LC Pavilion almost every year now. Really? Yeah, we should actually make a plan to all get together and go up to that. Yeah, for sure. That would be fun if a tour yeah. date. <clears throat> all right, uh, Tony, do you want to bring in your first track? Um, sure. I don't know which one you have lined up yet. Um, Whichever one you want, we can do. Okay, let's, 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 I'm going to start in order, actually. I'm going to go with the year 1985. Okay, um, nice. And before you play it, um, the reason why I picked this song is because as most of us DJs, uh, I can't speak for you guys or everybody else, but a lot of DJs really get their start in the roller skating rinks. Um, when I was in the roller skating rinks, I, you know, listened to a bunch of music. And as I started, I was just nothing but a speed skater. I was just a little speed demon that just whipped around the <laughs> skating rink, you know. You and I have that in common. <laughs> yeah. And I was into I was into break dancing and stuff like that, whatever. But when I really started to get into the whole boogie bounce side of, of roller skating and, and dancing on skates, um, I started going to a different roller skating rink. And they played all the old school jams, the the Planet Rocks and, you know, play at your own risks and stuff like that. But every time this song came on, it was just something that really, like, hit home with me every time. I, no matter if I was drushy, eating a hot dog, I <laughs> threw it down and I got on that rink and I just went at it. And it's a song called Don't Stop the Rock by Freestyle. Um, oh, yeah. And, and you know, that intro... Right there, I mean, look at me right now. Right, like, right. Serious goosebumps, you goosebumps, know. Goosebumps for sure. Um, it's just so recogn- It's so it, yeah. simple, but it's so recognizable. Yeah. Um, and that orchestra hit. And <laughs> what really pulled me to this song was the vocoder, the computerized voice. Yeah. You know, Pretty Tony Butler, which you know is is the guy behind this, the brains behind this, just. When that computerized voice started singing, <laughs> go ahead and play here. We'll blow your mind. <laughs> <laughs> Makes you want to bring Egyptian Lover back in here, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I was just going to say, I wonder how many copies of this he has in his crate. You know what was really cool, though, is when we picked him up from the airport, I got to have conversations with him about Pretty Tony Butler and these nice. guys because they were all, you know, in cahoots together. And, and it was really cool. But when I heard this song, I had to have it. I had to know what it was. Well, back then, this song originally came out on a record label called Music Specialist. That record label was no longer when it was time for me to go shopping for 12 inches, and I, I realized what a 12 inch was, and I wanted to go shopping for this stuff. This was no longer in print. I was looking everywhere for it, you know, 
uh, Omega Music, which was, you know, well, it's still around. It's a used record store in Dayton. Nobody had it. You couldn't find it anywhere. It was it was the jam. Nobody was getting rid of this as, as a used 12. So one day, um, my friend Kevin and I went to, um, oh, what was it called? Armadillo Records. It was in Kettering. Um, going through the 12 inches, looking through the new 12 inches, and there was a... Uh, an album that came out called Trenier and Friends. I poured it up, turned it on the back, and it was every song from The Party Has Just Begun, Don't Stop the Rock. There was a new label that came out called Pandisk, so they started reprinting this song. Ah. And I found heaven. You know, <laughs> I, I just I bought three copies of it because I thought I'd never see it again. You know, and it was just that that song that really grabbed hold of me, and that's what brought me into the electronic now, see, sound. That's, that's interesting because a lot of our, a lot of listeners who are probably any younger than me don't really understand that feeling of scarcity when it comes to music. Right, right. You know, it's... Because everything is available all the time now. And will be forever and mm-hmm. ever and ever and ever unless we get hit by a meteor and it takes us all out. You know <laughs> right. what I mean? Like, the music is here to stay now, and it wasn't always right. like that. Rarity is rare now it, when it yeah. comes to music. It was, when I, like I said, when I found this song, I bought three copies of this. Um, it's automatic. The party's just begun. Just everything that was on Music Specialist, Pretty Tony Butler did. He did a song called Jam the Box. But all those songs that this guy did was, it just hit, it hit me, you know? And even when it comes to Zapp and Roger, you know, mm-hmm. Roger Troutman using the, the vocoder and the, and the talk box and all that, he did it minimally. You still heard his voice. You still heard the talk box, but... This was full computer sounding right. to me, you know? Right. And it just, I was just, I was so wowed by it and so it just amazed by it that, you know, I had to have it. And to this day, I, I still throw it in my sets from time to time. You know, now that nice. I can use cue points, I'll use that end acapella, you know, freestyle's kicking in the house tonight, move your body from, which is getting ready to come up here and, you know, a couple bars. And, and it, it's, it's, I still use it to this day. You know, I, I throw it out as a surprise and people recognize the song. Yeah. You know, this this part right here, this is great. Yeah. Love that harmony. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> What I love about the old school breaks like this is that it's visceral. Yeah. Like, you know, it's just there's that raw grit to the, such a simple drum pattern that you yeah. can't help. I don't care who you are. If this thing, if this don't make your booty move, then your booty must be dead or however that went. You Does know, it, like, do you think that's because it was it was hardware? It was analog or, or did it was the the approach of the person programming it i mean what what do you think that is that rawness i, I don't it, well i'm one of the few that that um i i don't i don't discount the the difference between um hardware and 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 soft synth but what i will say is that i think that we've come such a long way with soft synth that we can do almost anything in it uh digitally uh and synthetically, I guess is the term I'm looking for, that we can 
with the old school hardware. The only caveat to that is that, you know, with a lot of hardware synth, you know, all the old analog stuff, you know, that stuff was, you know, they used tubes and mm-hmm. potentiometers and, you know, actual things that were not driven off of mathematical computations of computer and are not code. not the same every time you play it. Right. That's exactly yeah. where I was going with it. So um, there's ways that software can mimic that, you know, and randomize some things. Uh, so you can get pretty close. No, I think the that it's just it's the drum pattern like it's that old school like well, just I, the old school breakbeat because it's not just this song you know that was a very common breakbeat pattern yeah but when it came on man it would move dance floors and roller rinks yeah, for sure. sure for sure yeah i was gonna say I, I i tend to think that that it's i'll say the human element even though it's kind of it's because it's a machine but it's uh the drum machines back then were so comparatively simple to what we can do now. Right. And that they're, you know, they're, uh, they're stuck to 16 steps or 32 steps or whatever in their sequencer or, or you know what I mean? And, and right. other the than a few were, tweaks, you yeah. can't really do much else with it. And so you are forced to either use a very simple p- drum pattern or get very creative with it. And that limitation like we said before, limitation inspires creativity. Right. And so right. you, in, I mean, you ended up with some similar patterns, but they were damn good ones, and they were they were perfectly in time, which is something that I don't think uh, dance tunes really had before. I mean, you had drumming to click tracks and stuff, but right. I mean, when you hear a song like that or Egyptian Lover, and it's got that, and it just goes and goes and goes and goes, and it's suddenly that hypnotic effect where you're just kind of getting lost in that loop starts to take hold. And yeah, I just, I think that's, that's cool stuff. Yeah, for sure. Great choice, man. Thank you. Um, so I'm going to go with one. I'm sure you guys will recognize. Uh, I'm, I just picked up the, the radio edit to this to, to shorten it a little <laughs> bit, but um, well here, I'll just gauge your reaction when I start playing it. <laughs> <laughs> Mitsubishi Eclipse. I was going to say, who's, who's ready to drive their souped-up Eclipse? I was going to say, so the show. anyone close to our age is going to think Mitsubishi first thing. So this is Dirty Vegas, Days Go By. Still a whisper on my lips. Once again, those vocoded vocals. Yes. So this song came out in 2001, so to me this is the the era of what comes to my head to my head when I hear this? Obviously, Mitsubishi, because the the and the reason that we all say that for those who don't know is this was on a very popular Mitsubishi Eclipse commercial back right. in those days, and this was at a time when like tuner cars were the big thing. Fast and Furious was the you know probably the top grossing movie at the time. Yeah, next to maybe Matrix or right, something. <laughs> right. Um, so I mean, it, it makes me think of of that. So it makes me think of souped up import what what we call imports here in the states right um and like uh i think of need for speed uh what was that <laughs> need for speed game uh not hot pursuit but the the street racing one. Oh, i'm not sure um where you could like customize pimp out your cars and stuff and all that kind of stuff 
um, it just it kind of brings me back to just kind of a fun point in my life. You know? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, the other thing about it is, well, it was also kind of, you know, 2000, 2001 was kind of the last hurrah of the rave era, you know, and so this was a song that came out that had kind of pop sensibilities. It was a bit of a crossover, I was but it was still a, a dance track. When I, when I, the first time I had, had, when the first time I saw this commercial, I thought to myself, dance music finally hit the mainstream. Mm. D- to me, this is, I feel like, exclude the sandstorm, the rude, because I right. feel like this is much more deeper this is more, much more soulful than, than right, Sandstorm. Right. Yeah. But to me, I was, I, I saw this commercial and I was just like, wow, you know, corporate, corporate is, is getting onto this stuff. It's, yeah. it's gonna blow up. You know, that's, yeah, that's what I think of when I hear this song. I mean, it's an amazing song. Absolutely, yeah. it's not all I it think about. It still holds but up. That, too. That, that's what hit. That's exactly what hit me when I did see this commercial. Yeah. For me, I think. Uh, for me, it's it's a lot of that that prog kind of techie sound that trance yes. started to take that I alluded to earlier, because you know, well, especially do you hear that right, that right. echo that, that that delayed out stab, yeah, 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 that was a very big uh, bedrock type sound, right, for right. And I mean, I love this song. I still love this song. I at some point I found like a a four record set of like I don't know eight or ten remixes of it, <laughs> <laughs> including this radio edit. Um, it was it, it was it was a great track. It um, it did a lot of things to um, to put e- electronic music. I, I I I struggle to say EDM, but that's what we called it back then. Mm-hmm. You know before this latest iteration of corporate money and, and, and attention has dubbed a specific brand or genre of electronic music as the EDM, you know what I'm yeah. saying? So when we're talking about, you know, back then, uh, there were two types of people. There were the people who called everything techno and those of us who either called that. it like dance music or EDM or electronic music. Um, but that was a really interesting time for us because, this is on a freaking car commercial, you know? Mm-hmm. We're all a bunch of kids that are, like, getting together in dirty warehouses, you know? <laughs> and we start, and, and you know, get off my lawn! Here, here comes a rant, you know, where we used to start partying at 9.30, 10 o'clock, and then we stayed in that dirty warehouse until 5 or 6 in the morning, you know? like And then went to another dirty and then warehouse went to another for two day. more days. <laughs> right. Next thing you know, it's on a on a daytime TV Right, Spot. right. Well, yeah. and that's and that that that's another thing that kind of signifies all of this because a couple of years, like you said, this was kind of around that era, at least for the Midwest. Uh, this does kind of signify that that hurrah, you know, where to Tony's point, we kind of felt like, hey, okay, those of us who embraced that that feeling of, hey, we're actually getting some attention. This might actually take off. It might actually do something, but instead. You know, there was all this action against us, mm. you know, and then Rave Act, as we've talked about on the show before and all of that stuff. And then by 2003, 2004, you know, things were pretty dead around here. Yeah. So, so just an interesting little tidbit of information on this particular track. Um, so my uh, actually mutual friend of ours, uh, Tommy, I don't know if he's listening to this or not. I know he follows our Instagram because 
uh, this, you know Tommy, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, well, yeah, actually, he introduced you to me, now that I think about it. <laughs> um, so, Tommy's a good buddy of mine. He used to DJ under the name Gunner, and he's, uh, I don't know, retired, quote-unquote, now, but he um, got rid of his turntables a long time ago, and I've been holding on to his records for, I don't know, five or six years now, probably. And so, I... I kind of have a lot of stuff from this era, um, either along the trancey vein, progressive, or like UK hard house and stuff like that. And, and like 50,000 watts of power, and all that kind of stuff. So, um, but this is one of the records that was in there. He had a couple of the, you know, big dance tunes at the time and it's not labeled dirty Vegas. It's labeled hydrogen rockers as the artist, which was what it was originally released under. So it's actually kind of a, a rarity, this record that's, right. you know, Was before it a white they, label or... It no, just, I mean, it's got the full, it's like okay. a purple. You can check our Instagram right now. I've got a, a little photo on there and I tell the story on there. PassionateDJ.com slash Instagram. Um, <laughs> actually, Instagram.com slash PassionateDJ. There you go. <laughs> I was about to say ass backwards. <laughs> oh, whatever. They'll figure it out. Messy now, i got to go put a link in there to forward it. So that, you know. Right. Um, but yeah, so that's just kind of a cool thing. So there, there's actually a release of this that was under a different name, and I happen to have that record in quote unquote my collection. Yeah. <laughs> and and last uh, last uh, little blurb on that: if you've not ever seen the video, absolutely go mm. check out the video. It's really cool. Maybe we can drop that in the show notes yeah, as the the track. Yeah. So I had the uh, the what's the word I'm looking for? I was fortunate enough. To be able to book Dirty Vegas oh, wow. at Mask. That's right. Yeah, I, I brought him to town. It was only well, it was only Steve Smith. It wasn't both of them. It was Steve Smith, which was uh, the singer. Um, yeah. But he was a DJ, very very nice guy, very amazing guy, and um, what a great DJ too. Yeah. How long I mean, ago was that? That was two thousand and seven. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we did uh, we did the Rude, and then uh, we did the Rude one more time, and then Dirty Vegas. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, I think BT was in there somewhere too. Yeah, it? BT was 2006, mm-hmm. right before Oakenfold. Mm-hmm. Cool. Very cool. Uh, trip, next track? Uh, yeah, let's roll with it. Uh, this one is uh, a little on the harder edge uh, for those of you at home. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this one's uh, called Screw Up by a drum and bass artist named Ewan. Uh, released uh, back in 2007 on uh, Lifted Music. Uh, there's been a couple of different variations of this uh, put out there, um, but um, there's also a couple of remixes, one specifically by um, uh, The Upbeats, and it's just a powerful, powerful tune. Um, it, it's, it's, it's one of those ones that, like, you know, most artists have a sound, you know, mm-hmm. like, previously with the pretty lights thing like if you play pretty lights you know that you're listening to pretty lights same with yeah. like glitch hop ewan uh is very much the same way um whether it's in like the sound design and his arrangement but just i don't know if it's just a combination or if you just listen to somebody uh, somebody's work enough that it's recognizable yeah. to you but uh yeah this is one of those ones that just has staying power. I've been playing this for every bit of six years and it still just destroys floors as much as it ever did. Yeah. 
First comment, way to hit the post on that end right there before we just the second time that's come up. There. I'm taking lessons from Steve Gilson. That's right. <laughs> Thank you, Silent Gloves. Right. So, uh, second comment, uh, I'm a huge Biggie fan, so uh, I love the sample there. I am a total sucker for a Biggie Smalls sample. <laughs> always, always, always. And you know, like, you know, I was a teenager through the 90s when, you know, all the East Coast, West Coast rap and hip hop, mm. all that stuff was going on. So, like, I, I love Tupac, don't get me wrong, but you know, if you had to choose a side based on just raw lyrical skill, I was always a Biggie fan. Mm. Um, but you know, so it's awesome that there's so much of his acapellas out there that people get a hold of them. And uh, so anytime yeah. I hear it in something, oh, I, you've instantly got my attention. As as a amateur producer, I hear that that bass line, and I don't know how to describe it. That kind of world, I don't know if that's a filter or what what's given that yeah. wah. So, but there, that yeah, there's a man that's just dirty. Yeah, when you when you get into neurofunk, um, there's a lot of uh, very complicated. Um, production techniques that come to that. Almost all of these drum and bass guys have. Uh, a set of tools, you know, or techniques and no two guys ever do it the same from my experience. Like the way I do it versus the way Ewan does it versus the way Noisia does it. Like, you know, it's, it, it's, it's kind of the same techniques, but in different orders. And a lot of people like start experimenting and trying new things to get different sounds. And, most of it's like layered so there that might be like either a square wave or a sine wave on the bottom end to you know fill in that sub area but it's super clean yeah so that there's no distortion to to muddy that but then you start layering you know uh you know a mid-range and a high range and start you know running filter sweeps and uh distortion and all of those types of things automating a bunch of stuff and then once you've got a sound that you like then you know you can start like exporting it out and resampling it and then time stretching it. And so I don't know how he's doing all of that, but I would imagine that some of these sounds that he's doing are, are exactly that. So you were talking about how uh, certain artists have a very recognizable sound, yeah, like Pretty yeah, Lights and sure. E1. When you hear them, you just instantly know what it is. And yeah. that's, that's something that I've always wanted to have for myself as an artist Ditto. and that I've I've never seemed to nail down yet right. at least from a production standpoint yep same here which is why I haven't released anything in so long I think I just I never feel like this sounds like David Michael right, right. so it, it's kind of interesting and I kind of put production on the back burner for a while as I've been developing myself as a DJ and then working on on passionate DJ and all this stuff and I'm getting close to the point where I'm ready to really dig back into the studio right. and it's been interesting because I've been able to use DJing as a way to explore and develop my sound so that I know what to take on 
in the studio. You know what I mean? Like, right. what 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 does David Michael sound like? What does that even mean? Well, it, now I have a sound. Now, how do I make it? Right. You know, and so it's it's kind of cool how DJing has. You know, I started out as a as a quote unquote producer, and then moved to DJing, and now my DJing is informing my <laughs> production. <you laughs> right. Know? Right. So anyhow, thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, cool track, man. That's nice to have some some uh, non four to the floor variety in here. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I was not really. Um, I'm not gonna lie. I wasn't a big fan of drum and bass back then because um, it was the most back then in the rave days. It was pretty much. It was one of the most abstract styles. You know that was really mm-hmm. hard to come to grips with if you, you know. If you were new getting into it, right. um, it just it wasn't my thing. But I, I grew to like it, you know, quite a bit once I understood it, obviously. Um, but, yeah. All right. Uh, you want to move on to your second track? Uh, sure, sure. Um, uh, so my next track is called Show Some Love by uh, Jocko Jaco. I don't know how you pronounce it. Um, I first heard this song on Renaissance which, as I tell everybody and I say on the show all the time, my uh, love of electronic music came from Sasha and Digweed when I first heard this in 94. I mean, I've, I always heard the two Unlimiteds to get ready for this, and James right. Brown is dead, but when I first heard Renaissance, that's what drew me into, you know, the deeper sounds and the more... Um, uh, like this is going somewhere rather yeah, than... Yeah, this it was is more just... of a progression. It was... You know, and then this part, what you're hearing now, the the arpeggiated voice, the the dubbed voice, not like I like vocals a lot, but the arpeggiated and the dubbed vocal, I loved, and that's what drew me to this song. I heard this and I was like, wow, that is awesome. That is awesome. So. dark yeah 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 i was just gonna comment on that like i it's it's hard to pin down whether it is a dark song or a it's, uplifting song it's always me personally in my style of playing i have that fight with myself all the time because yeah. i like melodic but i also like dark mm-hmm. evil stuff as well you know so like I have a battle with myself all the time, and, and this song right here is kind of the best of both worlds. It's kind of like your Yoris Foreign track. Yeah, you can yeah. take it in two different directions. Right. You know, that's how I, that's this song. It's a really good use of uh, of the layers in that as mm-hmm. well, because there's a you know earlier, but you know uh, when we first brought it in, there were a couple of different things. So you got that gated kind of arpeggiated vocal sample going on, but Mm -hmm. then there was another uh, arpeggiator going on at the same time. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how much you guys have played with arpeggiators, but, you know, yeah, this one might sound cool and this one might sound cool, but a lot of times when you try to start stacking those, they don't sound cool together. So... (laughs) I think one thing that really helps that work is that they're they're very short release samples. You know, they're they're extremely gated. It's eh, That's all you get. eh, Right. And if there was any reverb on it or the note was any longer than that, it would just be a huge mess. And yeah. I think there's a sweet spot that you've got to nail for that to work. I think you're right. Right. 
epic right there. Yeah, so I was going to say that right there is about as uplifting as it gets. Yes. And it, it's it's interesting because this songs in the 90s, uh, you know, dance songs, especially not pop dance songs, mm-hmm. were were able to find that balance between uplifting, dark, gritty, all that kind of stuff. And there, there's a lot of, especially like Progressive House from that era, right. that sounds like that. And that got lost somewhere. It's It seems like now it's got to be one or the other. I mean, we have great dark house that comes out on like Mystique Music and, and still on Bedrock and stuff like that. And then you've got the other side of the fence. But there was something about this era of if Progressive House, if you want to call it that, where it's like, am I, am I uplifted or am I angry or am I like, what, what is this feel? Right. It was a very unique feeling. There's a lot, there's uh, Raph and Freddie. Mm-hmm. Um, they did a couple of tracks in the nineties that were like that, like yeah. listen and, and um, deep progress where it's like, is this a dark song or not? And it's just, it strikes me because, I, you know, a lot of people like to talk about the good old days and they don't make them like this anymore and, and stuff like that. And I, I don't typically, say things like that but this is a sound that i don't feel like anybody has gone back to right well and and to that point it's one thing to say that they don't make it like this anymore and imply that music today sucks and i think that's where a lot of people like get turned off by comments like that but no it's it's another thing entirely to say that yeah today's music is great as well but there are some things that got lost along the way and I, I, I yeah. absolutely agree because it reminds me a lot of the non non dance electronic music that I grew up listening to because my dad was into um, you know European electronic music but it wasn't necessarily dance it was uh, oh what's like uh, Jean-Michel Jarre is that how you say that mm-hmm. uh, Tangerine Dream you know like these kind of synthy electronic acts and they had kind of some of those weird chopped up samples in them and stuff and I remember hearing that as a kid and going what is even happening how do you do that (laughs) how do you even get that sound yeah yeah and it's kind of cool to hear some of that in a context that it's more relevant to me now right cool alright well my third track uh, this is by a group called Bent B-E-N-T uh, but it's uh, Ashley Beatles remix. So uh, Ashley Beatles is actually Ashley Beatles Mahavishnu vocal mix. It's kind of a mouthful. But the song's called Always, and this is another one of those tracks that's, you know, it's it's definitely a dance song. It's definitely house, but it it stands on its own as. Uh, 
it, when you listen to it, it doesn't sound like this is a DJ tool, if that makes sense. So a lot, a lot of tracks just come right in and then like this is techno and I'm going to use this in a techno set. This is a song and it's structured like one and that's what I really like about it. Gotcha. Lots of instrumentation, that sort of thing. I'm going to let the intro play out here for a moment. One important thing to mention here is none of the stuff that you're hearing right now is in the original mix. Like, this is all new instrumentation, that piano and everything. So there's a vocal sample that's about to come in. This was released in 2001, by the way, in the UK. It was a B-side. Um to the original mix and there's a sample in this of a song called Always in My Heart by Nori Paramore and he was a, uh, a British composer in the late 50s to early 70s before the term music producer was even really mixed uh, really even used he was in the studio producing records and you'll hear that uh, those vocals come in here shortly but he did a lot of theatrical, theatrical productions film scores stuff like that it's a really groovy bass guitar. I like that. Yeah. It's just, it's vastly different than the original mix. The original mix isn't house at all. It's like, a, I don't know, 112 BPM, oh, wow. you know, okay. kind of a chill out song. But I just, I love this haunting vocal line that just comes in. right there you know once again that original song that it sampled from obviously a much different kind of song it was from the 50s and right. it was like a spanish ballad or something yeah and those words those lyrics aren't even in the same order <laughs> that they're presented really? on there yeah they're all chopped up and rearranged to make the phrasing that's in the song wow so it was like the slow swing kind of song and they just chopped it up and put it into this added a bunch of pianos and i mean it's just it's a work of art if you ask me it's, yeah for sure yeah it's a re really cool track um so it was kind of neat because discovering the song and hearing that sample i'm like what is that i have to know what that is and so it made me want to learn about the origins of the song and what context it was using originally and about the creator and you know the original composer and what what all was going on so i learned a lot about you know i learned about this guy who i had, I had no idea about because of this dance song that came out in 2001 right so it was kind of a, a small history lesson on top of a, a masterpiece and you know. i have to give you some kudos because in 2001 yeah we had the internet but it was nowhere near the mm -hmm. robust tool that it is now for researching things like obscure dance music <laughs> and, or, or obscure yeah. uh uh, sources 
And of, to be uh, fair, material. I discovered it in probably 2004 or five. Okay. But yeah. But, um, uh, and it is a song that I went. This is another one I said I have to own this on wax. Right, like this right. is I've listened to it every day of my life. I must have it right. <laughs> but I was like. Uh, 2001, kind of obscure track. Nobody's going to have it. Discogs wasn't around yet. You're right. Uh, I'm going to let this play again real quick before I finish. Anyhow, I did uh, look into this, and I, I got on Discogs, and I'm oh, like, I'm yeah. just going to buy a used copy and try it, uh, roll the dice. You know, I tried to get right. a good version of it, and I found it brand new, shut up, sealed, like two years ago. Wow, untouched, sealed. I was like, do I order two of them or? <laughs> You order four. You I, keep two at the house, one that you play, one that you keep in, in your collection. The other two go in a safe deposit box. That's what I should that's what I should have done. But what I actually did was ordered it, got it home, ripped the plastic off, and threw it on my turntable. I was so stoked hey, to have man. it. Yeah. You know, it was just one that I it's important track to me. And this was another one I discovered on Trans Addict of all things. And it's another one that's hard to nail down the genre of because there's so much going on. I just call it house. Right. But yeah. it's not your typical house track, I don't think. Agreed. Um, and it's it's cool to listen to all the different versions, and I'll and maybe I'll drop all three, you know, the original sample and the original mix, and then this in the show notes because I mean, so much effort went into making this remix of a remix of a remix. It's got new instrumentation, you know, arrangement. It's it's a full production in its own right. right. And you don't always see a remix artist put that much effort into it, you know? Yeah, for sure. That's what I, uh, I've done remixes before. And that's one of the things that I, I really try to do because it's easy as a remix artist to just take, you know, all of the samples that you're given or that you can rip out and, mm -hmm. you know, just kind of do like... A, a re-edit or a rub yeah. or or you know even if which is fine which is fine there are there are plenty of you know uh tracks that are that are exactly that and they're great but um you know there's something to be said for somebody who can take those original elements and rework them and add in enough of their own original uh material mm -hmm and really truly come up with something new but still calls back to the original elements yeah. for sure so since we're pretty close i'm gonna let this one play out in full because you guys have to hear how this track ends good right oh, beautiful. It's beautiful it's just uh, you hear those blues chords come mm -hmm. in at the last right. it, they wait until the end 
to do all that. And I just, I, this is a remix of a remix. I just, I love that they put so much effort into that. Yeah, for sure. Um, anyhow. Yeah, icing on the cake there at the end. So what do you got for us next, Trip? Man, uh, you know, it, I, I really hope we keep doing this because, one, this has been super fun. Yeah, uh, but, yeah, I like this. But two, um, because I, I, I want to make sure that everybody knows that I picked these three tracks, but they're not, like, my top three of all time. Like, these are just sure. three that, as I sat down to kind of think about what I would like to share, you know, I thought of a couple of different genres, and these are the ones that I wanted to share. So um, I hope we keep doing this because I've got a bunch of them that I would love to just, you know, Keep keep pushing out there. I would love to do this again. I'm having a good time. Yeah. Um, so that said, you know what I my approach to this was is I wanted to definitely touch base on what Glitch Hop was, um, and because I've been uh, so into drum and bass for for a while, I, I wanted to make sure I hit that as well. But my origins as a DJ started in booty house and house music, you know, in the late '90s. So. Um, uh, this track um, was the quintessential house. Well, not even this track. The the album itself was like the most highest demanded compilation or album that was out in 1998. Uh, it this is Psychic Bounty Killers by Armand Van Helden, uh, featuring DJ Sneak, and it. This track was in, this is like a four record pack, you know, like mm. 10 or 12 tracks on it. And the whole thing is just good, right? <laughs> but this one, for whatever reason, just has that energy that like Bad Boy Bill, DJ Henry, like uh, DJ Dan, all of these guys were like, this was in their studio mixes. This was being played out live and it just takes people to a whole other level you know at least back then it did <laughs> I don't um that that uh that vocal loop is grandmaster flash um which uh, i i actually had to look that up i had no idea what that was you know and and for years i never knew never cared but you know <laughs> just trying to do a little bit of research on the track then uh we have this awesome thing on the internet called uh whosampled.com and when you go there you can find out who sampled what so go ahead and turn this up This, this whole build up right here, just the filtered out, you know, violent or the strings and. sample right there that, that whole like record scratch thing right there like people like bad boy bill like took this track to a whole other level like if anybody listens to bang in the box volume four when it gets to this part of that mix like he just goes buck wild with it so like he's just you know anybody who's familiar with bad boy bill you know he 
is a house DJ who takes a DMC approach to DJ house DJing. So he does a lot of beat juggling, a lot of scratching, a lot of, and, and it's all for lack of a better term, pre-programmed. Like he's got routines in there, but like he puts it all together in a very, you know, house friendly environment, 30 second mixes and he's in and out. But when he gets onto tracks like this one, uh, then all of a sudden, you know, you're just, you're bouncing back and forth and it's absolutely amazing. But the track itself just still stands on its own. Like I, I, I any house DJ that had it in there, uh, in their mixes, you know, it had me on the dance floor. This, a- this song, 1998, we threw a party, Bounce Theory, we threw a party, uh, Terry Mullen. Yeah. That's what this reminds me of. Two o'clock in the morning, right? Terry Mullen <laughs> drops this track, you know, or somebody was popular back then, yeah, you yeah. know, and just the whole room just going nuts. Nuts. Like, not rage nuts, but... Rage nuts. What a funny word, huh? <laughs> what a funny word. Not that's our new group name. Rage nuts. <laughs> the rage nuts. Um, not like serious rage as we know it now, but just in a dance frenzy, happy, smiling. Everybody just loved this song. I, I just what a great song. And it's not super complicated. I mean, if yeah. if anybody tried to get away with doing this today, where you know it's essentially the same thing over and 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 over with you know some you know with some variations within different phrases but you know it's 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 quintessential house for the late 90s for sure well i mean and there was this this kind of french house sound for a while that was really popular yeah filter house yeah stardust stardust and and stuff like that to where they kind of they would take a loop and just filter it in different ways and go nuts with it it yeah beat it to death and this song is so very armand and sneak at the same time it's just it's a cool combination yeah um and for anybody who ever wants to get out there and find it it's uh the the disco string that you hear there is from a a melba moore Mm. i didn't know that one either i had to go look that up because you know as far as i was concerned that was i i did i never needed to know (laughs) i I love this track so much remember i can remember so many nights you know even just at home you know i get home from work or you know come in from you know partying all weekend and first thing i would do is go to my turntables and you know throw throw on some records and uh this was always one of the one of my go-tos just that again that whole um uh that whole album was just amazing um he had some some good stuff that came out after that as well but um, as I evolved and I, I started moving out of the house realm and, and started moving more towards trance and, uh, and went that route for, for a while. All right. Well, we're on to our last track. Tony, you want me to go ahead and start right into it or do you want to, I know you've got some stories to go along with some of these tracks. So. Um, yeah, I definitely have a story for this one. That's for sure. Um, this, this song right here. I first heard Drew and myself, which used to play as Jedi and Guru um, back in the day. We would go to Tampa, Florida quite a bit. Um, we would go down to Florida, go record shopping, you know. 
we um, we went to the we went to the record store and we were really really big fans and I'll say it again of Sasha and John Digweed. Um, and around the time when they were doing the Global Underground series, um, this one was released on John Digweed's Hong Kong. Um, the day we were in the record store was the day that this CD came out. Um, we had planned to go over to Orlando, which is an hour drive from Tampa. We listened to this CD back to back to back to back to back to back. And this song I completely fell in love with. Well, we drove over to Orlando the next night to see Sasha. We're standing right over Sasha. And, you know, as Sasha and John Digg, we play back then. Those guys had the tracks that nobody else had you know all the bigger djs did right. you know now it's easier to get but these guys had tracks that you never knew what they were and sometimes never even got released and this track was one of them so when we drove over to orlando to see sasha drew and i were you know we were on a balcony pretty much looking down on sasha three quarters of the way through his set i I heard this song, I just, I heard him mixing into the song. I looked at Drew and I was like, this is it. This is the song that I fell in love with on the CD, the most out of this mix. You can uh, play a few for a second. Um, Sasha Digweed era progressive and I, I discovered it after its time but man I'm so glad I did so, it's just so much good music when we were we went to the show we saw Sasha play played this song and and I was on websites I was calling record stores trying to find the song trying to find release dates trying every week trying to find out if this song had come out never came out. This was November of 1999. 2000 comes around, we go to, then was called the Winter Music Conference, now they call it Miami Music Week. And our hotel was a little bit further down the strip than where everything was taking place. Drew and I had a rental car. Well, we come out of the hotel one morning, getting into our car, and, um, this guy comes out of the hotel and he's got he's got his lanyard on, you know, he's part of the conference. And he's got this British black guy, British voice. He said, um, you mind if I get a ride to the conference with you guys? And we're like, yeah, no, sure, no worries. You know, hops in the car with us. We're driving down, I it was I think it was Collins Avenue. Um, but he asked us what we do, and you know, we DJ, what kind of music do you DJ? Oh, we're into progressive house, trans, Sasha, digweed stuff. And he's like, have you ever heard of Funk Function? Like, yeah, absolutely. He pulls out his card and it's him. 
Shut up. I, 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 I it was, and Drew and I both looked at each other like, jackpot right <laughs> you know right. It, 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 and it was it was insane because we had been looking for this track from november to march wow and just randomly this guy walks out of the hotel asks us for a ride and it's you know this song was by science department but it was his remix and the title of the song is is persuasion persuasion yes funk function uh it was the remix and we, Drew and I just both looked at each other like, no way is this happening right now. This is a very <laughs> surreal awesome. moment. So we just got to talking to him, you know, and, and um, you know, he said that it was up to John if that song was ever to get released, you know, because it was exclusive to him and him and Digweed or uh, him and Sasha. And, you know, that I still have never seen the song come out on 12 inch. I mean, I have the MP3 now, but wow. You know, That's it was, it was, yeah, I was looking for the song for a five month period, couldn't find it. And randomly this guy gets in our car and it's the guy that remixed the song, you know. That's too bad he wasn't like, oh yeah, I've got a white <laughs> label. Here it is. <laughs> Here yeah, you go. Yeah, that would have been great. Here's a test press. That would have been, yeah, that would have been great. But, you know, it was, it, it, the song meant a lot, you know, to both Drew and myself. And even to this day, you know, we still tell this story about this whole scenario happening because it was just, it was unbelievable. You know, here is this guy that's, that's a super cool from a different country over in Miami, Florida for the Winter Music Conference and gets in our back seat. And it's, you know, the remixture yeah. of the track that we've been looking for for six months. <laughs> you know? And that's incredible because I'm telling, like, I, I, I remember Funk Function. Like, mm-hmm. I, 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 I bet you. His uh, real name is Lucian Fort. Yeah. Uh, okay. Mm-hmm. I, I see. I never knew that. Like, mm-hmm. there's there's a lot of you know different people who carry a bunch of different aliases. That so that's good to know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, I've got plenty of records that have funk function remix. You know, uh, yeah. uh, across the side there I, know, for sure. That was definitely a really really cool time, a cool experience, and just hearing that song still. You know, it's it's. This episode is about these songs that really make us and, and make us feel a certain way that's true to our heart. And yeah, that song right there, I'll tell that story till I'm 70. Even yeah, if that's you an know, awesome story. Yeah. yeah even if you sure. don't know who Sasha and Digweed are, whatever, any of these guys, it's still this, the whole scenario and that happening was just. Was well, meant to be. That guy was meant to be in our car, you know? Well, that's, <laughs> that's a great track. And I think I'm just going to let that play out as our outro. So, um, great episode, guys. I would love to do this again. That was yeah. that was fun. Let's let's do this again soon. Um, I think for call to action this week, uh, if you guys could go to iTunes and leave a review. I know we've said that one before, but we could really use the reviews, and not just because I want to see what you have to say, but that that is part of it. You know, we leave an honest review. We want to hear your feedback, and we want to know how to make the show better. But also, it helps our rankings in iTunes, and it helps other people know what the show's about. So. Uh, go to passionatedj.com, click on the podcast button. There's a link to go to the iTunes uh, and leave a review. Just a couple sentences would really help us out. And we will see you next time on the Passionate DJ Podcast. Take care. See ya.
This will just be one I'm, outtakes episode. I know, right? <laughs> I'm turning my ringer off. <laughs> um, yeah, okay. So now the only thing that will interrupt us is my work phone. So. <clears throat>